So we're entering into a new movement on the Sermon on the Mount today. The first part, it seems, was focused on specific commands and how people misunderstood and misapplied them. It was focused on how the Pharisees, claiming to be masters of the law, were not teaching the law properly, and Jesus set the record straight. This next part is very much focused on piety, which, by the way, I looked up the definition of piety, which is simply the quality of being religious or reverent. And I guess that works for our purposes today, and it really sums up what this portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was trying to accomplish. Jesus' brother James commented on true religion, and you probably are familiar with what James had to say about true religion. He said, religion, this is James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, this is not the mainstream understanding of religiosity back then. The mainstream definition, as it is in most religions and most cultures, is to obey the law, to obey the commands, and to do good, which, by the way, doing good just simply means looking good in front of everybody else. Jesus said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I looked into Jesus' statement a little bit on this, and it is merely, it's not merely referring to the act of giving. It is sort of a summary statement for the next three topics that we're going to be discussing inside of this gospel. Giving, prayer, and fasting. Giving, prayer, and fasting. Jesus commanded that we don't do these things only to be seen by others and to receive praise. Now, I think a lot of people have misunderstood the application of this statement. They think it means don't give in public, don't pray in public, don't fast in public. That was not what Jesus was saying at all. In just the last chapter, Jesus himself said, let your light shine before men, uh, before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we'll get into this a little more as we get into the individual topics. Today we are talking about giving. So what did Jesus say about giving? Matthew 5, chapter 5, verses 2 through 4 reads, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored, honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I heard of a man, a Catholic man specifically, who had achieved great wealth. However, he never chose to flaunt his wealth, but to live, dress, and spend modestly. One day, he was out by the church building, enjoying the weather, so he decided to take a seat on the church steps. Shortly after he had taken a seat, the priest had arrived and was walking to the stairs to enter the building. He saw the man seated, wearing casual clothes, and there was nothing special about his appearance, so the priest thought, ah, this must be a beggar or something. So, in an insolent sort of tone, he asked the wealthy man, Is there something that you need? Well, the wealthy man proceeded to tell the priest his name. And then the priest recognized his name because he recognized that that particular person's name was associated with giving large sums of money to the church. So, 
After he had realized this, that put a smile on the priest's face. It changed his tone from insolent to cheerful. And then the priest said, well, it's so good to see you today, Mr. So-and-so. Would you like to come in and talk? Well, the wealthy man was a little bit insulted by this. He said, well, just a moment ago, you were talking down to me as though I was less of a person. But now, because you know who I am, you treat me kindly. If I was a poor man, you would have sent me right back out onto the street. The wealthy man got it. He understood that although we have a duty to give, that it is not something we should be wearing as a badge of pride to earn a status and acceptance. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. There's nothing wrong with giving publicly. We need to be cautious not to give out of impure motives. We must avoid giving just because it impresses someone, earns us a special seat, special recognition, or favor from any person or group of people. It is for this reason the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The Lord does not want us in love with money. Furthermore, he does not want us craving the sort of attention that being generous with our money can bring. This was not a brand new teaching, by the way, that Jesus was introducing back then. It was a common teaching among the rabbis. The rabbis taught that it was wrong for people to give their, uh, to give their offerings to the sound of trumpets. Now for us, what does that mean? We don't have trumpets at our churches, most of us. We all give generously anyway, and, and we do it quietly, right? Well, I pray that people throughout the church and across the world understand that they should not stand up and announce that they have given X hundreds or thousands or millions of dollars today. That would be arrogant. That would be wrong. That would be pompous. That would be a direct violation of the command of Jesus. But I think that there is a bigger danger in our day than merely announcing our gift so that everyone else can know. I think the biggest danger in the church as it relates to giving is that the one giving starts to believe that they are owed special favors for their generosity. It's the same kind of practice that we see in politics. It even happens to candidates that we perceive as being pure in heart otherwise. And it all starts off young politician wanting to make a mark in the world, wanting to do the right thing. And uh, after they have done a good job at a low office, all of a sudden they want to make a bigger difference. So what do they do? They got to seek a higher office in order to accomplish this. And with a higher office comes the requirements for more fundraising. With more fundraising comes bigger donors. And with bigger donors comes certain expectations. So my goal, like something like this. Well, hey, uh, Bobby, right? Bobby's your name. You seem like an up and coming star. You're working hard, doing the right things. And it seems like the people love you. Well, I want you to know that I didn't really like what you had to say about marriage the other day. So, uh, could you maybe stay quiet on that topic, not talk so much about it? I won't get mad at you if you do decide to talk about it, but you know what they say about money. Easy come, easy go. Just think about it, Bobby. <laughs> if you don't think that happens inside the church, you are gravely mistaken. In fact, a phenomenon has arisen within the past couple of years 
inside of the evangelical church, the evangelical leaders, that they should not talk on certain topics because of how unpopular these topics are to certain people. There are, per, there are pushes to agree with unbiblical practices of our day despite the clear teachings of our God. What has happened to our Bible teachers? Why don't they teach on socially controversial topics? Well, I think it's because certain people who give a lot of money have told them to avoid these topics. Jesus said that you should not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't think about it. Don't worry about how much it is you're giving. Don't dwell on it. Don't even count the cost. Just give. The same principle can be found in the law of Moses. If you open up to Leviticus 23.22, you see it written in the form of a command. Leviticus 23.22 reads, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. So what did we just read? Do not reap to the edges of your field. And what you do reap, don't pick up the overflow. Leave it for the poor. Leave it for the foreigner. And in this case, you don't even know who it is that you're giving to because you're just leaving it behind. And the attitude, of course, of the harvester must be, when they obey this command, is that by not reaping everything and by not collecting the excess, they are allowing those who are in need to eat of the fruit of their harvest. The law of God, if you don't mind me saying, is beautiful. I hope that you're able to see that. If obeyed properly, it trains our hearts to be generous and good. And the reason I'm enjoying the Sermon on the Mount series so much is that it's, it breaks down the wall of this notion that the Old Testament is somehow dark and cruel and irrelevant. God, what we learn, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'll close with this. Jesus said that those who give so that all can see those status seekers, those who expect something back for their contributions, they've already received their reward from him on earth. But those who do not make a spectacle of their giving, who don't expect anything in return, who aren't doing it to earn positions, status, praise, or anything of that sort, your treasure is in heaven. So here's my question to you as well as to myself. Where are we storing up our treasure? I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. My name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. You can join us at 1030 on Sunday mornings. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.